Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We just had an amazing Shabbos, uh, this past Shabbos in Baltimore. It was our third Project Makom Shabbaton. Uh, Project Makom, for those of you who have listened before, is an unexpected initiative that came out of Jew in the City a couple of years ago. Um, our guest that's uh, going to be on today actually was there the day that uh, sort of the idea for it uh, came to fruition, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but Project Makom came about due to members of the ultra-Hasidish world, ultra-Haredi world, approaching me and telling me that they liked the kind of Judaism, the kind of orthodoxy that we were putting forth on Jew in the City. See, when I created this organization, I thought that I was going to be speaking to the people who were like how I grew up and to sort of show the people where I grew up all the mistakes they were making about the Orthodox world, that there was so much more nuance and so much more open-mindedness and education and humor and just so much more positivity to a Torah-observant life. And what ended up happening was that we heard from people from the other side of this spectrum that had been raised in a much more strict and much more closed off. And in some cases, unfortunately, they had been raised in a way where they were raised to be fearful of Hashem and that mitzvahs were all about strictness and nothing about love and nothing about meaning. And so this couple approached me um, three years ago with this need to or this request to join my community to learn about my community which spurred the idea for project makom and so we had our third shabbaton this past shabbos in baltimore we had 60 people drive down we did not expect so many people to come to a three and a half hour away shabbos beautiful number and um it's really grown to something so tremendous um, a bunch of old people, a bunch of new people, people sharing um, and really bonding um, and a combination of um, Torah learning and a combination of inspirational stories of people who found a place different from where they started and made a, you know, a great connection in a new community and a more sincere relationship to Hashem, um, some time with a social worker to talk about different differences that different communities have. And it was an incredible Shabbos um, all, all in all. And so why it's so fitting for me to bring my guest on uh, today was that he was there the day that I met this couple. Um, I had seen his music videos before. I don't remember the first time that I had heard of Lipa Schmelzer, but when you're an Orthodox Jew, this is someone that he's just around. He's, you know, he's got this music that, you know, uh, he has a great beat, and uh, he's certainly um, a unique personality, and I'd heard about him before, and I'd certainly looked up to him before, and I was giving a talk in uh, Rockland County Community College um, to an outreach group there, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, Lipa Schmelzer comes up to me um, before my talk and says that he's uh, has a class then, so he won't be able to hear my speech, but he just wanted to stop by to tell me that he he loves the work that we're doing. Um, and so we're so excited to bring Lipa on the show today. Lipa, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, uh, thank you so much, and uh, <clears throat> it's my pleasure and honor, and you gave me a chill in uh, the introduction, in a good way, because I, uh, education is a journey that I'm traveling now, not an easy journey because, you know, being a father and a husband and many other things, so like you say, you round it down to a unique personality, I think I like that, because uh, that, that's a fact. So I um, channel many things, I think for patients, I'm a music here. America, I leave my shul, and, uh, and it, it, within all this, I still, <clears throat> I'm still sitting with students in, in classrooms, 
students that are 18, 19, 20, 21, um, some older students, and uh, we, we, we go through the bachelors. And by you mentioning the RCC, it reminded me how I started. And just today, as a little today, I met with two professors talking about my future because I'm thinking where I should head after my bachelor's. These things you need to plan away in advance. So, and I'm hesitant and I'm thinking, will I be good? Will I not be good? Will I do well later on? And I have to remember that it's one step at a time, one step, another step, another step. And by you mentioning the RCC, it reminded me when I met you first and how I started and how far I, I came and that... Uh, if I take it slow, and um, it will, I, I will succeed. Oh, Amen. You know, I, and I, I hope to be alone. I spoke to uh, Ruchi Fryer a few days ago. Um, I interviewed her for an article, and she didn't start college till she was thirty, and it took her six years to complete undergrad. She had three kids while she was doing it, um, and then she went to law school. And now, twenty-two years later, she's finally become a judge. But her exact advice, Lipa, was it's piece by piece. You know, I think we live in this generation of instant gratification. Everybody wants to just be famous and be successful and be rich overnight. You know, we all want that stuff right away. That's what we're trained is we can just get things right away. But the truth is that these this all takes time. So that was that's definitely the way to go. So do you remember meeting me that day back at RCC? Of course I remember with... Uh... <laughs> The Bible uh, Bob Oliver was there, was in that room, and you walk into the technology building, it was on the left side, and, and the room over there, like, with almost like an auditorium, and you were standing there with someone, with someone else, and there was a table on the right with uh, soda and chips or something, and he gave a speech, and uh, Yitzi was there with his wife. Exactly. So Yitzi was Yitzi and his wife Rifki were the ones that told me that they were looking for a new community, and then they were gone when I looked up, and I was so upset. It took me like a year to do something about it. And when I finally wrote about this idea that it's time to help welcome people that want to change to a new community if they're not happy where they started, Yitzi messaged me and he said, "I was the guy that you lost." So I have him for Shabbos afterwards, which made me so happy to, you know, find the people that um, first had the question but got lost. And then of course we had our first sort of minor Shabbaton, little Shabbaton in your community, in your shul, and you wrote us a song that Shabbos in Yiddish. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember a little bit the song, um, My Kids Sing It Till Today. Um, uh, if, if my kids would be here, my son would remind me a little bit, I would sing, I would sing the rest, but uh, <laughs> it's not for me at the moment to remember. Something about being like true to yourself, like don't be a faker, don't don't be a phony, like be real, be who you are. Does that sound something like that? Yeah, that's, 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 that the inside, the people people are laughing on the outside, but the inside is uh, is uh, is uh, uh, um, the inside. Uh, is something like that. Yeah. Um, that that the inside, that people walk around on the outside are so happy, but really everybody in the inside they have uh, their own struggles, something along that line. Yeah, so I didn't understand it so much then. You explained it then, and my oh, is not I'm much idea. better now. I'm 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 I
We were very honored that, that you wrote us a song on, on the spur of the moment for our Shabbaton. It was a real uh, kavod. So, so tell so you grew up in Square. Am I correct about that? Yes, maybe I grew up after I moved out, but yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> That's um, I grew up in Square, officially, yeah. When when did your love of music begin? Like, where? What is the history of you being a singer and a musician? I think, I think that my music started um, as a form of therapy, which <laughs> I didn't even know. But I, um, I had a very difficult childhood, which I never went, uh, truly went into full detail, and I, it's, it's it's beyond the scope of an interview. Okay. Maybe one day, you know, there'll be enough. Uh, when I, when I feel ready that I can write in a way that I'm not, that I'm focusing only to write the most positive way possible while still still keeping to the truth, I might write it. But for now, I, I'm just going to say I had enough childhood and um, my father's a survivor of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And um, there are 12 children. It wasn't easy. I'm the 11, the six girls, six boys. And it was, um, I, I had difficulty focusing in class. Mm-hmm. It wasn't made interesting for me the material. I see today I focus and and when the material is interesting for me, I I, I focus. You know, I do a I do a tremendous job. But as a child, for some reason it wasn't dealt I think in the right way. There was only one school in the neighborhood. You couldn't send to a different school. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could only send to the same school and 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 uh, so there's no competition. And the teachers are basically um, at that time. I don't know today, but at that time. Well, uh, how should I say it? People who were called mom and then they became a teacher. They became a mama. But uh, it took them, you know, my, my father once said, it takes a doctor many deaths to, until he becomes a good doctor. I mean, so, uh, so many people die until the surgeon becomes a good surgeon, yeah? yeah. So they even take out a mom from the cold now and he becomes a teacher. It takes a good few years and then there's plenty of victims. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, was, it was very difficult for me and... Uh, and I think that I used to hum on the table and always um, make my own music, and, and it, that always was part of my getaway, daydreaming, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I daydreamed a lot. And even in today's days, I don't want to daydream so much. It's all conditioned, so now I have to work many years to get get away from it. But it's, uh, it, was, it was a form of, of uh, I don't know, for meditation, but it was a form of getting away. Mm-hmm. And my uh, brother was into children's album, Visha, and he made children's albums, and he looked for a boy to sing. And my father wouldn't let me go sing for other people, but for Visha, my brother, he let me to help him out with an offer. So I uh, sang as a child, and that gave me fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got to know the studio. You know, the rest sort of grew, grew on me with the years, with the years mm-hmm. to come. And then you started getting bigger. Could could you pinpoint like a part in your career that you know you just became more well known or more um, popular? Yeah, more yeah, yeah, yes. I uh, started to sing after my wedding, uh-huh. and I um, I was a regular wedding singer, but I did some interesting, unique stuff without even knowing how unique I am. Mm-hmm. For example, when I wrote a song about guilt, I didn't even realize how I was a soft topic that is, to tell people that everything is money and how many people are giving a 
more of it for other people because they have money and if you don't have money tomorrow they're gonna hate you and if you, you have money again they'll become your cousin. I was a young I was young, I was twenty two years old, whatever and I wrote that. And I uh I didn't even know and, and, and so what made it a shake up because it was different. There was Yiddish lyrics but I was not talking about Dovidamak, I was talking about things from the current day and issues. And it was way, way before I was like sort of an activist a little of raising my opinions out loud. It was just, uh, I just did it like a song. Yeah. And then uh, Hask, Hask invited me to sing. Hmm. But I couldn't, uh, according to the town, according where I live, and my, my name spread like this guy with the payers and this that knows how to sing really cool and, and funky and disco. And hmm. uh, it, was, it had a certain trend. But hmm. they, the, they didn't let me go on concerts. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't go on concerts. So then when I asked, asked me to go, I couldn't go. And she remember and said, maybe we make a video. Mm-hmm. So I make a video. And that was even a bigger hit mm-hmm. than being there live. It was before all YouTube and all music videos. Mm-hmm. And um, that sort of made me very famous. And a little bit with the, with the controversy, as much as it has painful times and downsides, it also has a shine, another side that some other people sticked up for me. And so it, it sort of, through the years, it took me a long time to see the other chandelier, but that it, uh, it had a shiny side also, that people, that there was a whole other audience that, that respected what I do. As many people who didn't like it, there were, there were a whole community that did like it, and that sort of, balance me, I should say that has balanced me because it's still something of balance until today. It's something I need to work out, it's something I probably going to need to work out for the rest of for many years. To always remember that uh, I can't be liked by everybody. Yeah. Anybody who does something unique is going to have a position. Yeah. But at that time it was very hard for me, but now, uh, now it's different. I'm going to tell you a little insight that I have that I hope will give you chills also, Lipa. Um, you know, as a public figure also, um, and I put myself out there, um, you know, your video, did, you didn't know what was going to happen to it. I specifically went out because I wanted to try to right some wrongs, and um, but then you put your neck out on the line and people, you know, start having opinions. And, um, you know, anytime anyone ever says to me, oh, I hope I don't offend you, I say to them, do you realize, like, with the anonymous you know, commenters on the internet, the most awful things that people will say. There's no way that anyone in real life could ever offend me um, compared to what people are willing to say anonymously. But this is what it, the realization that I came to a few years ago when I was really down about something. I thought to myself that even Moshe Rabbeinu had haters. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, who was re- appointed by God himself, had people that were dissenting, that were going against him. And when I made this realization, I realized that the Torah is teaching us that with leadership comes dissent, comes difference of opinions, comes people who think they can do it better than you, that think that your way is wrong, people that want to, you know, start up against you. As soon as I realized that you're not going to be better than Moshe Rabbeinu, I calmed down because I realized that then that's just part of the package and that's what Hashem expects and that's why Hashem included in the Torah and that if you're going to be a leader you have to be willing to put up with that you know um, the backlash but that's part of the package so what do you think about that? A hundred percent I agree and to validate that point I'll add you also Mordechai Mordechatzadik on podium it says he saved all the Jews can you imagine Homer wanted to kill all the Jews 
It was in sort of the area of Baghdad and Iran and that area. And um, even from today, that's one of the, the stories that we could relate even till today because a lot of people would kill uh, other people even in 2016. And not only they would, they killed. So the same thing, it says by Motka, in Motka YouTube and that even Mordecai Tadik, who saved all these people from being killed at the time, that only most people held on him. What a shot. But even if you save people's lives, you're not going to have everybody with you. Some people will say, you could have saved us differently. <laughs> and that's just how it is. Oh gosh, that's so sad. That good. That's a good point. Oh, you could save their life, and they would want you to save it differently. Okay, I'm gonna add that to my uh, my list of of chizuk points. And so you're like a little bit also of a Torah teacher. I'm saying you've got the whole singing thing going. You mentioned college a little bit. I want to talk about that a little bit more. You started this Shani v'chamishi thing where you're giving these beautiful drushos. I'm seeing on Facebook. So when did that start? What inspired you to give these inspirational, uh, you know, weekly ideas? So, um, I, I have a show, and one of the guys in my show, now I lived in Pomona, but at the time he told me, why don't you give a little Torah every day for the people in the show? So I told him every day it becomes boring to, uh, to the listeners and to the guy saying it, because uh, if you want to do consistent, you have to, you have to undertake something that you know you'll be able to keep. So I told him, how about I do Shani Vachamishi, because we're laying the Torah, Every Monday and Thursday, we learn that we take out the Torah by, by chakras, and Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday, we don't. Hmm. So I said, how about I will copy the same way that we bring out the Torah to read a portion of it in Shul, that shows that Monday and Thursday has something more than the regular days. It's called Shani Vechamishi. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a video on Shani Vechamishi. And I started with that Torah, and then I said, this year I'm going to change the topic to your Titan. And then that's why I'm finishing always, made the Mishnah be elevated to the highest gate of heaven. But the your Titan, in all honesty, is much harder because I have to really follow up and find out. With the portion of the Sefer, you know, just think a little bit and you find a nice word, what to say. But with the your side, you have to find out who the your side it is and say something that's authentic. I'm also very careful what I say mm-hmm. because... Um, I don't like to say a story, for example, which appeals only to a minority. In other words, a guy will tell me that this rebel is a joyful once of a mountain, he took out the sun and he smelled it, and then he saw two angels holding a, 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 a candle or whatever. This, this is good for consideration of a mountain. I'm trying to, to take something that's appealing to the most possible, that I can talk to people without the amicus, to orthodox people with the biggest hat, that they can, if they really want, they can relate to it in a positive, in a positive manner. That's what I really try to do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and, great. Um, for this year. What? No, I've, I've seen I've seen you post. I've seen a lot of positive feedback. It's uh, it's going really well. And I never actually understood understood what Shani Vechamishi meant, but now I know. And so now you're saying you want to relate to any type of Jew. So tell me a little bit about your, your journey through education. So we mentioned um, Rockland Community College was the beginning, and then you got to Columbia next. Where, are you still there, or did you earn a degree, or what's... I'm still there, so it's my... Like I said before, it's actually right now that I'm... Uh, 
I'm going to share this here in the public, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit. Okay. So I, um, I, I could really graduate in May, if no. I want, this coming May, with a bachelor's in creative writing. But then I also got a feel for visual art, painting, and drawing. So I said, maybe I should double major mm-hmm. and wait another year. Or maybe mm-hmm. I should go for graduate of painting, and then I'll mix it up with my music, and I'll do, and I'll this, and I'll that. So I'm having this this debate and put in myself and then I said first thing first it's hard for me to graduate in May because I learned so much from being in a rest environment even in the Jewish community within Colombia the hill over there are a few hundred students every morning there's a mini at 740 and like you said that you try to give a people who come from certain communities a different outlook and Judaism I'm that guy from the certain community you know Floyd even if I'm so open minded and everything and I should be the guy that Matanov I'm only saying, I'm also, I need my own care. You know, Freud said that up until six years old, we're fully programmed, our brains. Now, I know that there's many disagreements today on many things that Freud said because ecology advanced, but still there are certain rules that they, will, they go by. And there's yeah. definitely that we are programmed. So when I go to Colombia and I see girls come to, to me, and of course men, of course, but I'm saying girls, even I didn't, like, when I grew up, what such a thing. And they're very modern, but 740 they are there and they're doubling. Right. It gives me a certain unbelievable physic uh, and touch my heart that, wow, if they do it, I should do it. And then so I go there sometimes and I try to be with a million. So, and then I needed a university, so I said, okay, I don't want to graduate yet, maybe I'll double major. But then I had this whole thing because I have a Jewish... Um, Jewish is Jewish Israel department there. They have a Yiddish studies department from the from the vibrant uh, culture before the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. They said maybe I go for a long because they have a graduate program which is a long six seven year program. You can go to to a PhD. So I said maybe I should do that. But then I said to myself, maybe I do it just for ego because uh, so I have to prove that look where I got. <laughs> and so I gave it some thought and I realized. You know, maybe a little bit is, is, is ego, but a lot of it is also that I love the environment, I love to learn, I love to be around academic people, I love to know more about real history, things that was never told to me, all the, the poetry, which is something I have a feel for, when was it made, which parts of davening is, is just po- is, is, is beautiful poems, and which parts are just language, which was made just to pray. So mm-hmm. there are two different, and I said, maybe it is a beautiful thing that I can... And at that time, then I might graduate in May, and I might stick around either in Colombia or somewhere else where I focus uh, strictly on Jewish history, or I have a certain niche that I want to focus on um, that I can go for a long uh, time. So that's my dilemma at the moment. I, I'm more or less clear, and, you know, no decision is a perfect decision. And um, like you said before, we live in a world where everything is uh, first verification. The same thing goes, we live in a world where we have so many options. That even people without OCD, it's hard to make a decision because you're always going to lose out. You're afraid you lose out on something, you know? Right. So well, I have to make a decision. My, my husband because that means if I go for a long ride with this, that means I become myself more academic and, and that can be a lot of my future. But uh, I, I'm okay with that. I can do something that I have to do with fine art in academic and also in my performance. So it's sort of a combination, an interesting combination. 
So my husband and I are both Columbia alumni. We actually met the first day of our freshman year when I was 17 and he was 19, and he actually studied Jewish history at Columbia. So if you have any questions for him, um, I can connect you with him as well. And before we go, because we are coming to the end of our interview now, um, I want to know about that Pepsi commercial. We saw you in this cool Pepsi commercial um, that was recorded in Israel. So please tell us about that. It seemed very cool. So the Pepsi commercial, it's interesting because it made such a big uh, hack, and yeah. I didn't know how to appreciate it when they called me, and I even postponed it. I said, I don't have time until August. Because I was mm-hmm. taking a day in class, I was busy with my music care, I tried to be policy with all the survivors, I'm still waking up. And I said, I'm in August, I'll come. And they told me, no, 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 either happens now or it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I almost said, okay, forget it. And then I said, ah, okay, I'll do it. I'll come for one day. And then I realized how big it is. And I said, how did I even not, you know, how, how did I almost let it, let it go? But uh, it's bullshit, you know, we all think in different ways. And my, I'm sometimes artistic like that, not so much in the business part of things. And um, I get emotionally connected to a certain thing, and I sometimes let go other things. But it was bullshit, I shouldn't let this go. And it was a big hit of shame because Pepsi takes um, many artists around the globe, and this is like a certain advertisement that they make. Mm-hmm. And they chose me to show to show that they, they care also about other issues, and not only uh, do they take secular, um, so, like so-called uh, popular people, but they're gonna pick someone out from these communities. And they picked me out, and I, tra- I went there on the Shabbos. I was actually by Rabbi Chanelsky. Then I came for Shabbos with my wife and kids, so I can make a flight. Where, where were I you arrived there in the afternoon, and we shot. Wadravikinovsky lives right near Newark Airport. I can't remember now. A hillside, maybe hillside or something. Uh, uh-huh. Um, and I uh, flew out for Shabbos. My wife drove home the kids, and I arrived there uh, Sunday, I think, at uh, four o'clock or whatever. And at night, the whole night, we shot a video from like 11 o'clock till 6 in the morning. In Israel, you shot it? And, uh, what? You, you filmed it in Israel? In Israel, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I went to yeah. Hillside, New Jersey for Shabbos so I can make a flight more to Shabbos. Yeah, huh. wow. And wow. I arrived to Israel Sunday, late afternoon. Mm. And the whole night we shot a video. They had rented out a restaurant. They had like a bunch of cameras and lighting. Yeah. And they a whole script. And in the morning, I went about, uh, I went to sleep a little bit. And I think 2.40 or something was my flight back hmm. to New York. And were the other actors in the commercial actually from, or were they just like uh, with glued on pays? Um, no, they, I think they, uh, no, no, oh, you mean everybody in the clip? No, they're exactly the way they are. Uh-huh, ah, okay, I always wonder. They're exactly you know, the way they are, but one guy was an actor before, he's like a Bolshova guy. Meaning uh-huh. they took talented people, they didn't just run on the street and said, hey, hey, we're going to shoot this. They took people who are really talented, but uh, the looks were, were like the regular looks that they always have. Got it. And um, just like closing, do you have any closing stories? I hate when people put me on the spot like this, but anyone from maybe your community that also made a little bit of a change that told you that you inspired them by doing your own thing? Have you ever had any cases where someone told you that your journey inspired their journey to someplace more true, someplace more emestic with Hashem? Yeah, 
I'll tell you, I uh, I have many stories. I have every day people telling me I spied them, and it sounds like a cliche, but it's really true, and you can check my Facebook and you can see all types of stories. Sometimes I have crazy stories, but then I'll tell you two little stories. One, I went to, because I'm into art now, yeah, so I, a little bit, so I went to Israel. There's a, there's a big school near Hebrew University. I think it's called the Tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see the art department there. Because, you know, when you dream, you dream of all types of possibilities. Maybe I should go to Israel for two years, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went there, and there was a girl in the store selling, um, you know, uh, charcoal and papers, wrong papers. So, um, and she, I don't want to, maybe she didn't listen to the show, so I don't want to describe whatever. But she, she I didn't re- realize where, she's come, where she comes from. And I, um, and, and then I asked her if somebody could show me around. She said, I'll show you around. And now, and, and it sounded a little bit strange because she worked for the register there. And she asked someone else to take over. She wants to show me the place. So I told her, I'm into art. I'm also entertaining. She said, I know you are. You're Lisa Schmelzer. I was listening to you. Can we take a picture? I come from Canada. My father is a Rolf. And, um, he's going to be so happy that we have a picture. And we took a picture, and then I got the messages from the mother, from the father, from the sisters. So you never know. You bump into a place, you never know what influence or difference you make. That's number one. Number two, I had a story about three years ago, maybe it was. There was a little boy, uh, I would say 14-year-old, knocked on my door. He came with a bike. And sometimes I have patience to open the door, I'll admit, you know. And uh, But this time I opened up for some reason, and he said... Uh, I, I lost the cover for um, the CD. I have your CD, but I don't have a cover. And I came all the way here from whatever. I don't want to say from where he came, but somewhere in Monty. If I can please have an, another cover. I said, sure. And I gave him a whole new CD, a new cover, and everything. I just had to pity on him. And a few weeks later, he started to come to my shoe every Shabbos. And he walked an hour. Hmm. And at one point, he told me that his teacher, his malama, the school, he brought the cover, he's a big fan, and he brought the cover in Hager. So by recess, he used to read my lyrics for the songs. Mm. And one time he was caught by the rebel, and the rebel ripped it in front of the whole class. Mm. And he didn't have money to buy another one. Mm. So he came to my house to ask me, and, and, and so he said, this sure I belong, my teacher rips me, rips out of my hand things that I bought for my own saved money. But this week, Mishmelt, he doesn't even know me, he gave me for free CDs. This is where I want to doubt mm. And he doubted on me for over two years. Mm. Wait, but that's beautiful. We so are it's not my, not my power. What? Oh, we're, we're actually out of time, but it's an incredible, incredible story. And now, now you've given me chills listening to you. So I gave you at the beginning, and you ended with chills now for me at the end. You should really be gebenched um, to keep on inspiring um, and keep on your journey. And um, we look forward to uh, many wonderful, inspiring years uh, from you. Thank you so much for Thank listening. Thank you. And, and as the Mishnah said, at the four Hamanoslapsir, we should both get inspired by inspiring others. Amen. And you can find us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.